Nuclear proliferation. Global pandemic. Famine. Environmental genocide. War. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. Well, Brad, I don't know where you were in 1987, but I uh, remember all too well spending uh, about a uh, hundred hard-earned dollars on tickets to the Rolling Stones farewell tour out at uh, the old Schaefer Stadium. And uh, I remember the uh, the excitement, the pageantry when the uh, Rolling Stones hung it up back in 1987. And this song was one of their key ballads. Yeah, great song. I mean, there's, you know, hard pressed to criticize anything about the Rolling Stones or their music or certainly their longevity. I mean, unfortunately, uh, we lost Charlie Watts, who was always their drummer and was 80 years old. And astoundingly to me, although certainly I don't mean to imply that it, it, it's impossible or say anything about Mr. Watts or his family, but he was married to his wife since I, I want to say like 1964 or something like that. I mean, that is just unheard of in the rock community. So a tip of the cap to the Rolling Stones, a tip of the cap to Mr. Watts and uh, to the kind of guy he obviously was. That's pretty impressive. That's a couple of really great runs. It's almost as impressive as the number of uh, uh, runs and the amount of time that the Soviet Union spent uh, probing the planet Venus. Which I assume we're going to get to here. We, uh, we are at some point. We're also going to get to Mr. Watts. But uh, first, we want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, IP Frequently, the number one uh, business podcast in the globe and, and trending currently in the Netherlands. Yeah, in the globe, on the globe, around the globe, beneath the globe, above the globe, all the prepositions that can relate to a globe. That's where we currently are with IP Frequently. Really excited. And we're excited to join the cable radio network family of uh of uh, programs beginning on September 18th. They're waiting, Brad, until the September sweeps to bring us in, to bring this uh, this program uh, national. And I know we're uh, we're very excited and we cannot, uh, we cannot wait. For those of you who listen every week, please remember to rate our podcast, uh, review our podcast, and uh, get your friends to listen as well. They'll be thoroughly entertained. And given the uh, level of entertainment that's available today on the Hulu and the Twitter and the uh, Roku. Um, I, I think uh, IP frequently sits at the very top of that mountain. I don't know why it wouldn't. I don't really understand sweeps or ratings or anything of that nature, but I can tell you that if you're looking for 
wisdom, sound advice, a response of just two regular guys to what's going on in this uh, big blue marble upon which we live, then this is where you want to come. A couple of ordinary Joes just living our lives the only way we know how. That's correct. That should be a yeah. song of some sort, or at least a poem. Yeah, it should be, but I don't think we could recite it these days. But we're excited. We're also excited we've got some national brands, Brad, that are backing our program on the uh, CRN network. We're going to be announcing more about that in the coming weeks, but uh, we truly have made it big time, similar to uh, Jethro Bodine, uh, one of the Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, I, I, we're moving on up, I was going to say. I realize that's a different sitcom, but I think it's appropriate. I think it is as well. But uh, let's start, Brad, in the news. Lots going on. Uh, of course, uh, our, uh, our leaders are giving us lots of uh, reason to question everything they do. And, you know, it's, it's, really, uh, it's really disappointing when you turn on the news these days, if you even have the balls to, because most people don't, uh, and, and just see what's, uh, what's, what's going on. Of course, we talked last week about how Governor Cuomo had finally left uh, or was about to leave the, uh, the, the governorship in New York. He, he has done that now. And day one, the new governor, um, the former lieutenant governor who took over, immediately tacked on 12,000 COVID deaths to the overall state total that apparently Cuomo was hiding. So, I, you know, there are a lot of things we could lead with this week, but I, I mean, talk about something that's just, just absolutely despicable. Um, and that's a Democrat, right? This is not someone that had any interest in uh, doing a hatchet job on old, uh, old Andrew Cuomo, but right out of the chute, oh, we found 12,000 more people that died of COVID that weren't reported as, reported as COVID deaths so that the governor could sell a fucking book. Um, really kind of a, a, astonishing. It's hard for me to even talk about some of these things anymore. And, you know, maybe the lieutenant governor added the 12,000 deaths to the total because the lieutenant governor happens to actually be a human being. I mean, those lives matter. They didn't matter to Andrew Cuomo. And we're going to find out all we need to know about the current federal government as to whether or not they choose to investigate the actions of the leadership of the state of New York. Because if they don't, if they're willing to just say, oh, well, I mean, I guess he forgot about those 12,000 lives, then that will tell you all you need to know about the folks we have currently elected to leadership. Yeah, no, exactly. And, I, and I, I, I brought that up at the beginning just so we could get it out of the way. It's, it really is despicable. And you think about all those families that weren't able to say goodbye to their loved ones and then fought for um, the truth to, to come out. And it, it has to come out after a governor resigns in disgrace. I mean, you would think every dog has its day and this is something that's going to um, be investigated. And I sure hope it is. And I sure hope the next time we talk about it, uh, which hopefully isn't going to be for the next couple of weeks so we can take a breath, uh, is when he is he is indicted. Because what he did is truly, uh, truly criminal. But moving on to the Afghanistan meltdown, I mean, it just continues. And, and I have struggled with the Vietnam comparisons, right? Last week, we were talking about the, uh, the choppers leaving the roof of the embassy. I, 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 at least in Vietnam, we got all of our Americans out. In this case, we we didn't. We had to put troops back in to secure an airport. And the next thing you know, we've got more troops in Afghanistan than we did a few weeks ago to secure this airport. We get an ISIS threat. God knows when this is going to end. But dare I say that when we had the 2,500 or so troops securing the entire country and providing air support, there weren't this many deaths. You have to go really back in time 
to see a significant number of combat deaths in Afghanistan, um, you know, you have to go back at least two or three years to see this type of a number. I mean, it's really, uh, really disturbing. And you, you, you've been over there. I mean, what, what is, what does this tell you about the government and how they're, how they're, how they planned or didn't plan for this? Oh, buddy, I mean, unfortunately, I lack the vocabulary to properly express how just sick at heart and infuriated we walked out of Bagram Air Base. We should have never, ever done that. We, just ever, not, not just as part of a drawdown. We should have maintained our presence at that airbase. We walked out, we left all the equipment there. We own that. That was in a United States airbase. And now we are fighting to hold a commercial airport for reasons that no one can explain because we left an airbase that we purpose built in order to be able to conduct operations inside of Afghanistan. I mean, and, and, and buddy, no one is being held responsible for any of this. The Biden administration have canceled all of their press conferences. You can't find any of these people. And it is unconscionable that heads have not rolled within the Department of Defense. I mean, if Biden had a, a modicum of honor, if he had the least bit of humanity, he would be stepping to the forefront. He would be apologizing for the mistakes. He would be making every rectifying act that he possibly could. And he would be firing every single one of the idiots that allowed this to happen. And, I, and as you know, I spent a long time serving in both the military and in the federal law enforcement of the government. And Everything rises and falls on leadership. Responsibility matters. Leadership matters. You're willing to take the stars. You're willing to take the paycheck. You're willing to take all the press conferences. You're willing to go to the White House for dinners. Fucking do your job or get out. I mean, it's unbelievable. And you, you think about it and you think about, okay, we, you assume there is some level of planning that goes into any of this stuff. And then you look at it and you think about it and you're like, what the fuck? There, there was no planning here whatsoever. It's almost like they just said, this is the day we need to get everyone out and, you know, Johnny bar the doors. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what, uh, what the ramifications are. We're just going to get out. And, yeah. and if you, if you think about it, the plan was, the plan was what? The plan was, okay, we're going to pull everything out. We're going to leave billions of dollars of equipment behind either for the Taliban to just take and use or for it to be turned over to ISIS, which is now ISIS-K, or to turn over to the Chinese or the Russians so that they can reverse engineer some of our more sophisticated weapons. I mean, there's no thought, no thought going into this. Yeah, no, I mean, buddy, it's just, again, I, I just lack the ability to describe how devastating this whole thing is. I mean, not just in at, at the tactical level there in Afghanistan and for the, the poor uh, you know, troops who I, I guarantee you, if you lined them all up, they would tell you they're happy to be there. They want to be there. They want to do their job. They're committed to the United States of America. They're committed to their fellow soldiers. I, but for them, and then on the strategic level of, of what it is going to mean for the next 20 years for Western free states to have to deal with what the Biden administration and the just piss poor leadership within the Pentagon have created. I mean, that's that's your kids. That's my kids. I mean, look them in the eye. They're going to be left holding the bag for what those folks have done. And have you heard anyone 
actually take responsibility. I mean, Biden, that dumbass, gets up and says, well, yeah, the buck stops here and then gives five reasons why it doesn't. Right. I mean, he just sucks. I, I can't. I, I, it just it's it's unbelievable. And he won't have the balls to go and talk to any of those dozen families of those Marines and other Americans who lost their lives. He won't do it. He won't do it. He can't look those people in the eye and take responsibility. No. And then, and then he, he, at the press conference, he's, he's just, he's just narky, right? I mean, he's snapping at reporters. It, it's almost like some of the stuff they pulled with Reagan in the second term, where during his uh, reelection campaign, they would shut out the microphones after a couple of questions were asked. Well, they did that. And then that was in the context of a campaign. They're now doing that in the context of uh, remarks being given in the White House, right? I mean, the other day he was asked a question about what Americans should do in Afghanistan who can't get to the airport because they, they're being blocked from going to the airport. And he made some snarky comment to a reporter and snapped at him and just walked away. But, you know, you start peeling back the onion here, right? What was the plan? And you realize that there was no plan. And then you realize that the moves we made were so dumb, so dumb, that you would, if someone told you beforehand, this is what we're going to do, we're going to leave billions of dollars of equipment behind and abandon um, a strategic uh, uh, airbase. Uh, or even better, we're going to give the Taliban <laughs> a list of Americans and Afghanistanis who we want to evacuate because they're either Americans or they've been helpful to the cause. And then of course, you basically give that to the Taliban because they're gonna help you, right? I mean, what, the, what, what are we doing? Of course, we just gave them a kill list that's been turned over to um, the, 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 the fighters in the street and to ISIS. And we're also sharing intelligence with the Taliban, just so you know. It's not just the kill list that we gave them of our allies over there, it's intelligence, active intelligence and this includes, uh, this, this is our policy even after the bombing today, just so we're all clear. Um, you know, we're holed up defending this commercial airport and the people in charge are continuing to cooperate with the Taliban so that we can get our asses out of there by the 31st. And whoever gets out, gets out. Whoever doesn't is just screwed. With bar. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine? If that's not, I mean, given the recent history of the idea of impeachment, I'm not saying the recent history of impeachment is laudable, but given the recent history of impeachment, how is this not an impeachable offense? Uh, well, I, I don't think anyone put their feet on Nancy Pelosi's desk. It's just it's but I mean, people have got to start taking a look around. I mean, you and I are very fortunate. We've we've been able to create a successful business. We, we have been able to take care of our families but I mean, just everybody has got to look around and say, hey, I'm going to take some responsibility for what happens around here, from my local government to my to my state government to the federal government. I'm going to start taking responsibility. I don't want to see what is currently happening here continue to happen. I don't want to look into the faces of my grandchildren and say, yeah, we have at one point in time, son, we had a fantastic country that led the world in the pursuit of freedom and civil and human rights. And we pissed it away because we didn't have the balls to actually take charge when we were in charge. I don't want to do that. And I don't think very many people do. And, and if we continue to just contemplate our belly buttons and worry about shit that, that is, 
is not the problem, right? That the, all the things that we have become so focused on in the United States that are not the problem, if we can't stop focusing on that and start focusing on what is the problem, then we just deserve what we get. Yeah, and, that, and that's the one thing you can say about the prior administration. For all the dumb things they did, uh, there is no chance they would be in this position. Not, none whatsoever. I, I no, that's exactly right. And no one who is at, at all interested in being fair or being accurate can contest that. Again, you and I have said numerous times the Trump administration shot itself in the foot. His personality does not lend itself to leadership. I know that he would have done himself a huge favor if he just shut up and got off his Twitter. I know that. But you, he would not have allowed this to happen. And, and frankly, I don't think Obama would have. I don't think Clinton would have. I, I, I don't think Bush would have. Right? I mean, this is a disaster, and it was entirely predictable. Yeah. If you ask a fifth grader, hey, should you leave all the military equipment and the air base you fought for years to obtain? Should you just turn all that shit over to folks who are on record as having said they want to destroy your country? Should you just give them that stuff? The answer you would immediately get is, well, no. Brad, next, the razor's edge, the uh, big, and this is something that everyone in the business world wants to know. What is... Uh, going on with the latest budget. How is it going to affect my fall business? As you and I know, Brian, we've been following this on a daily basis. We've got uh, C-SPAN up in the uh, in the old office where we're watching the votes, we're counting the votes. Uh, but uh, this, uh, this week, the House passed the $3.5 trillion human infrastructure bill. Um, this is a bill that uh, is passing on a party line vote. Um, and subject to that whole thing about California going into the Pacific Ocean, that could change things. Um, but uh, this is going to this is going to be a a, a big uh, spending bill. But it's also uh, something that could really impact um, the small business around the block or down the corner, or um, it's going to impact all of us. Uh, uh, corporate income tax rates are going up from 21 to 28%. The uh, top uh, individual rate from 37 to 39%. Uh, a doubling of the a doubling of the capital gains tax is in this bill, and then a 7% surtax on corporate profits above 100 million. Um, so it, it sounds like a great. Uh, a great way to destroy the economy. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that's what it is. It is a recipe for the destruction of the economy. I, I mean, these people, but they, they literally must think, you remember when we were kids and you would say, hey, you know what? I'd love a new baseball glove. And, and your dad would look at you and go, well, go out to the back, to the money tree. Just pull off that money and bring it in here and we'll go get you a baseball glove. Remember that? Uh, these people must literally think that money just grows on trees. And because you want more, of course, you're not willing to do a thing to earn it, but because you just need more for your pork barrel projects, you're just going to create it. That, that must be what they think. Because by leveling all of these taxes on business and private success, right? So capital gain, I mean, doubling the capital gains tax is the dumbest thing you can possibly do. It just it, it makes it makes investment uh, 
which is what drives the economy, a bad idea. Investment in your home, that's subject to capital gains tax. Investment in the market, that's subject to capital gains tax. All of these things that are subject to capital gains tax, it makes them less palatable to the folks who have the financial wherewithal to make those investments and drive those businesses forward. And so they're, they're going to create a collapse of that. And then there's going to be no money, right? There's going to be no money. And so I, I just, I, it is, it's just absurd. Well, it's clear that this, the, the people who are writing this tax bill, Liz Warren, Bernie Sanders, I mean, Bernie Sanders is, is, um, is, is shepherding this through Congress, right? He, he is the head of the Senate Budget Committee. He is heading this effort, Bernie Sanders, socialist. Um, it seems like they see what's going on in Afghanistan and they want to catch up to the U.S. military, that idiot we have at Secretary of Defense uh, and, the, and the folks at the uh, State Department. And they're, they're doing their best to destroy the economy, much like uh, the, the, the folks at, uh, at, at Foggy Bottom and the Pentagon have destroyed our, our military and our ability to, uh, um, to sort of enforce our will across the globe. Yeah, to just influence international policies. We can't do it anymore. We've, we, we have stood up in front of the entire rest of the planet and said, hey, can't trust us. Don't listen to what we say. You can't trust us. We'll do the same thing to you that we did to the Afghanis. You know, you can trust the Chinese. They're happy to come in. They're happy to build you some infrastructure. They're happy to take your natural resources. They're happy to show you how to do it. And they don't give a shit about what anybody else thinks. And so they're probably not going to turn their back on you as long as they're getting what they want, right? But as for the United States of America, we will happily turn our back on you. And frankly, we don't care whether you help this out or not. Or even if you're an American citizen, we're just going to leave you behind, right? So if you don't like the sound of it, at some point in time, go in the mirror, look in the mirror and act like you're talking to one of your co-citizens who happens to reside in Afghanistan, look them in the eye and say, we're leaving you behind. You're not worth it, right? And if you don't like that, right, if you don't like the sound of that coming out of your own mouth, then you need to go to work and make sure that we can make some changes, right? It's just absurd. And I think you're right. I think Bernie Sanders realizes he's no longer at the forefront of the ruination of America. And if he wants to be, he needs to catch up. And what the hell does he care? Right. I mean, how old is Bernie Sanders? Well into his 70s. Oh, he's I mean, getting close to 80. He's, gonna, he's yeah. got a heart attack. He's got a nice lake house that he bought up there in Vermont. Yeah, he's, as a socialist, I'm sure he invites everyone who lives in the local area to just come and use his house anytime they want, because, I mean, that, that would be the socialist thing to do. But he realizes he's going to be long dead before any of these chickens actually come home to roost. What does he care? He's a true lunatic, too, by the way. Oh, yeah. Lunatic. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's it. But maybe, Brad, we'll find some solace this week because so far it's been pretty grim. Yeah, right? if no, I'm, if still, I'm, yeah, not good. If I'm someone out there in the Twitter sphere and I'm listening to this, I'm like, okay, these these generally happy-go-lucky guys um, are are having a tough time this week, a tough go of it, some would say. But, uh, Brad, we, maybe we'll find some um, comfort in COVID corner. A strange not. place to seek comfort, my friend, but maybe we will. You never, you never know. You never know. So the uh, the latest is out. The folks um, in the HHS side of things um, are, uh, uh, and also the CIA are um, reporting back to the president that they cannot um, definitively tell him where COVID came from because the Chinese didn't cooperate. So the final report to President Biden came out this week, and 
they literally said that there's no clear um, conclusion. Now, this, this, this runs counter to the conclusions that the CIA gave about Trump colluding with Russia, completely false and um, laughable, even on its face. Like anyone who heard it, there's no way these guys could have done that. Um, but in this case, you've got the US intelligence community, the, the folks that killed John F. Kennedy can't even come to a conclusion about the fact that COVID came out of a lab or didn't. I mean, amazing, really amazing. Must be, you know, gloomy cloud day here at IP frequently, but you've nailed it, right? I mean, when the intelligence community wants to influence the message, right? When they want to influence the narrative, they are happy to do that on the most tenuous of bases, right? But when you actually need an answer from those ass clowns, you can't get it, right? Or frankly, I, I, I don't believe that's the case. I think they do know, and I'm far from a conspiracy theorist. I used to work in these environments. I know what it's possible to know. I know the scope of, of the capacity of United States of the United States intelligence community years ago, right? I'm going to assume that it's gotten better, although maybe that's a poor assumption. And I think they probably do know the answer. I think they're very confident of the answer. I think they just don't like the answer. It doesn't fit the narrative. And so they're going to hide behind this, you know, well, you know, there's, there's some, there's a little bit of this, there's a little bit of that. There's enough ambiguity here that we can hide behind it. And it's just cowardice. It's cowardice all the way around. Right. If you don't believe the American people can handle the truth, then stop trying to lead the American people. Right. I mean, just get out, go back to wherever the hell it is you came from and let the American people put someone in leadership positions that thinks the American people are smart enough to handle the truth. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just it's just amazing that all we heard for four years was drip, drip, drip. Every single little bit of information coming from these whistleblowers. Where is the whistleblower now? On, on this? Where was the whistleblower on New York's COVID numbers? Or where was the whistleblower on the, the doom and gloom that was coming to Afghanistan? There's really nothing. And it's sort of circling the wagons. Um, and and it's, just not, it's just not helpful. And then in the meantime, you've got governors locking down again. I saw the governor of Illinois, who's just a total, total ass clown, who was yelling at a reporter today about his new mandate that uh, uh, all state workers have to get vaccinated and everyone has to wear a mask, uh, I guess even outdoors and outdoor gatherings is the newest is the newest thing. And the reporter simply said, where's the science behind the mask mandate? And he, he literally looked at the reporter and he said, it's called Google, use it, and then left the podium. And, and that was it. And, um, you know, but these are the people that are, these are the people that are running things now. Yeah. Well, and, and, if anyone should be held accountable, it should be the elected officials, right? I mean, if they are going to mandate a policy, you should be able to ask, hey, where is your basis for this policy? And you deserve, as the electorate, a responsible and complete answer to that question, right? And, and somehow we've, we've been willing to accept governors of states who get paid through the taxpayers' dollars and ha have no authority outside of the authority the electorate gives them, we've somehow said, oh, well, I guess you can just say that and walk away. Doesn't have to give any, any foundation for a policy that takes rights away from people, that forces them into behaviors they would not voluntarily choose to undertake, right? And in this country, if you're gonna force 
a citizen to give up rights or to undertake a behavior they do not voluntarily want to undertake, you have to present a reason for that. It's all just theater, right? And, and if, you're, if you really want to be a conspiracy theorist, you can say it's just conditioning us to get used to being told to do something and just saying, okay, I'll do it. You know, I'll just, all right, whatever, I'll, I'll do it. But even if you don't want to go that far, it's, it's just so-called leaders grasping at straws in an effort to show that they're doing something, right? And, and we should not tolerate that, right? We should, we should be sticking up our hands and saying, well, wait a minute. It, you know, if it, if it makes sense, if it's rational, if it'll help out my neighbor, all those things this country was built on, I'll do it. I'm, I'm happy doing it, right? But if it doesn't, then I'm not, right? Yeah. And you, you're the one who's mandating the behavior. It is therefore the burden is on you to demonstrate to me that it is necessary or rational. And if you can't, I'm not doing it. It's that simple. It's not, it's not rebellious. It's not sedition to question an elected official about their foundation for taking away your rights. It's just not. I don't Brad, care what side of the ball you're on. Brad, it was the worst sedition since the Civil War, January 6th. Yeah. It's just, I mean, anybody who believes that either is an idiot or wants to believe it. Could they be right? disingenuous? Yeah, or yeah, that's what I mean. They want to believe it, right? They want that to be the truth so that they can stand on that to take the next step they want to take, right? So either that's who you are, you're a disingenuous narrative seller, or you're a dope. There's no in-between. Brad, you know what? Let's move on. This is We're not going to get anywhere in the COVID corner. I thought that maybe you and I would find solace here, um, but it all seems to be the same this week. Let's move on to the Venera Chronicles, because I think there you and I can find um, some, some peace, some, some quiet, at least. At least some consistency, buddy. If nothing, the Soviets were consistent in the Venera project. All right, Brad, I'm opening up the envelope for the latest Venera project. Let's see, Brad, bad news. We have reached the end. Venera 16 was it. Oh, say it isn't so, buddy. I love the Venera project. But the Soviets did start a program called the Vega program, which uh, was a series of Venus missions that took place after uh, Halley's Comet passed in 1986. So we have to start investigating these. It appears to be a lot of the same results. There's at least a Vega 1 and a Vega 2. Um, but uh, we have to get into that. Not this week, but next week. Oh, all right. Well, you know what? At least you have something to look forward to. I mean, again, you know, I, I'm sure our listeners understand some weeks there's just not a lot of laughs out there. And now we've lost the Venera project. So, I mean, it's a tough week here at IP frequently, but you and I, we, we tend to be more optimists than pessimists. We, we certainly, you know, look forward into the future, hope that we can make a difference there, hope that we can lead our families there. And so let's hope that this Vega program is going to, you know, bail us out next week. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's all we can hope for at this point. Yeah, there's not, well, there's apparently not much else. Well, look, Fred, we can we can now we can now transition over to RIP report. I mean, maybe there's something good to talk about there. Charlie Watts, um, drummer for the Rolling Stones. We talked about it a little at the beginning, 1987. I do feel a little ripped off in the fact that uh, 87 they, they continued to play a show or two after that. 
Yeah, didn't they go down to uh, like Brazil or someplace, like Rio, and play on the beach to like two million people or something? That wasn't that long ago, was it? I think they did that recently, but the the tour I'm talking about was their farewell tour. Well, you know, I mean, farewell is a flexible term in the entertainment business, my friend. Well, I guess so. I mean, it's somewhat disappointing. But uh, now I guess the big hullabaloo is whether or not they're going to go ahead with their tour despite the drummer's death, and it looks like they are. And I guess they should, right? God bless them. They're all late 70s, early 80s. They should just do it. Well, and I mean, if you if you ask sort of the traditional question in these circumstances, you know, like, what, what do you think Charlie Watts would want the band to do? I think he would probably say, well, you know, obviously, the, the best way to, you know, sort of make a tribute to me and, and the success that I unquestionably help forge as the drummer for the Rolling Stones is to continue to play Rolling Stones music. I think that's probably right. Yeah. So I guess they're going to do it, but God bless them. They're, uh, you know, look, they're um, a transcendent band, probably top five band of all time. Oh yeah, I would think so. And I think we still have to do that show where we rate the bands. Um, Well, maybe we should do a band like, uh, you know, Bracket coming up this next uh this next spring in anticipation of march madness maybe we move on from the equine bracket to the band bracket that's actually not a bad idea we've been searching for something the hairpiece thing is embroiled now in litigation so that obviously didn't work but uh i think that's a good i think that's a good idea and if if anything that's a little something to look forward to yeah i completely agree that we need something we need something now. All that's left is Bard or Band this week, Brad. And uh, as you know, this this is this is the segment that's won a bronze Stevie Award, and um, uh, everyone's excited about it. The folks at CRN are paying top dollar, top dollar, for this uh, this show, primarily because of Bard or Band. Yeah, well, I, I think that's exactly right. I think they they reached into their wallet, they pulled out the top dollar. And gave it to us, and in exchange, they get barred and banned. They, yeah, they don't own it. No, they, they get no, no, it. no. It's kind of like lease, like lend lease. Right, exactly. Uh, so, Brad, uh, this week, barter banned Billery. Billery? Oh, really? Are they uh, back in the news, as it were? Well, they they are. I don't know if you've seen the latest link that was sent to you, um, but a uh, uh, couple of big oh. things going on with Bill and Hillary Clinton spotted in the Hamptons enjoying a nice oh. walk on the on the beat yeah they uh well first of all hillary has oh my goodness yeah you know what folks can look the picture up for themselves i'm not going to comment the only comment i'll make about the picture that i'm viewing which has the former president wearing a black baseball cap and looking like he wishes he was anywhere but where he was to include the ninth level of hell standing next to the former secretary of state who looks like she recently emerged from the ninth layer of hell. The people you got to feel sorry for are the Secret Service and White House communications folks right behind them. Yeah, that, that yeah. Poor, poor woman from the Secret Service looks yeah. like she wanted to kill herself. But uh, yeah, so so how would you, I mean, it looks like they're doing well post-presidency, right? They've been out now 21 years, um, almost went back and didn't. Right now she'd be on um, her second term, theoretically. Uh, she had won back in 2016, and uh, they're taking care of themselves, uh, walking on the beach, sitting, enjoying a uh, uh, a nice um, 
not what, but uh, Ooh, yeah, it's uh, wow. Yeah, I guess the question is, do you bar or ban this? But before you even get to it, Brad, as you know, uh, as you should know, have you followed the American Crime Story miniseries? Remember a couple of years ago, they had the big uh, American Crime Story miniseries on the big O.J. Simpson uh, thing? I, I, I did not see it. I do recall what you're talking about, yes. Yeah, so that was a big um, a big hullabaloo. It, it, it was really high-ranking. It's not as high-ranking in terms of the ratings as this show, but it's ranked high in terms of TV shows. And so they did that, and they did the Versace murder thing. And, and now um, American Crime Story impeachment uh, debuts in a, a couple of weeks, and it uh, takes on the whole Monica Lewinsky affair. Really? Well, there oh, you go. Yeah. yeah, very exciting. Very yeah. exciting stuff. Yeah. And I guess um, one of the things she said that she was going to uh, do is 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 have the actress who played her try to depict some of the um, peculiar things that uh, the president liked. For example, her wearing um, silver thongs and then flashing them to him in the Oval Office, uh, and then having makeup sessions in the private president's study. So do you think do you think that? And now you saw the pictures of them in the Hamptons, right? Did. And then you exactly. heard about this. Impeachment. Do you, do you think that they they had talked about this theory? Do you think that's one of the reasons that uh, they seem to be not communicating very well in the Hamptons, or do you think it's just par for the course? Or what do you think? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that this is par for the course at this point in the uh, Clinton marriage. I'm gonna say that this this picture that at least you and I are looking at here that that shows them very effectively social distancing from each other is indicative of sort of the state of the whole relationship there. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm going to um, put him out of his misery and I'm going to say banned. Yeah, the, the whole thing. I, I mean, God bless them. I don't, I don't know why they're doing what they're doing. I certainly tip my cap to the incredible effort they must have made to, to stay, you know, even this close to each other. But yeah, I, I would think at this point, maybe it would be best for their twilight years to, to maybe just say, Hey, you know, they don't even have to do anything formal. They just look at each other and say, you know what? I don't really like you all that much. I'm going to go over there. So, then, you know, this is, this is really starting to depress me. Maybe we should call it a day at this point and tell our, uh, our many listeners out there to rate review and recommend and to um, uh, stand tall. Uh, it, things that look, it's always darkest right before the dawn, right, Brad? Yeah, or right before it goes pitch black. You know, it just kind of depends on on your outlook. And uh, so, but but we are going to try to you know turn the corner. Uh, next week is a new week. Uh, every day something you know new happens. Hopefully, it'll be a more positive week. And we look forward to sharing a little more positivity with you next week on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.